Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Dais, a podcast about the stories taking place in and around El Paso County, Colorado. I'm your host, Scott Anderson, and my guest today is the Public Information Officer for El Paso County Search and Rescue, Jay Christensen. How are you doing today, Jay? Good. How about yourself? Doing well. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for coming by. So I wanted to quickly uh, start by saying that if listeners are interested in more stories about people doing good in and around El Paso County or hearing from county leadership about local government priorities and how they operate, uh, you can find additional episodes of this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, But before we start talking about search and rescue operations and the whole reason why we're here, I was wondering if you can give me a bit of background about yourself. Absolutely. So I uh, left the private sector wine industry I used to own and operate a small winery in Western Colorado um, that consumed my life. In fact, I was working 60-ish hours a week on nice weeks and maybe a bit more than that for months on end during harvest. And uh, once we sold that business, when we moved to Colorado Springs, my wife and I were sitting around with a lot of free time trying to figure out how to give back to the community. (laughs) And uh, one day she sort of popped in and said, you like the outdoors? Try search and rescue. I've never thought about it. So I started showing up here and went through all the training process and ended up becoming a member of the team. Uh, What does that training process look like? So our training process is all encompassing in that you don't have to have any background in the outdoor world to be able to join the team. Um, So we're an 11 week program, three days a week um, from sort of 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. and then Sundays morning at 8 a.m. to noon. And that process starts at the very beginning with here's how to tie the basic knots that we use on our team. And then here's how we use our systems. And here's how to build these systems. And here's how to package a patient. And here's how to um, search. And here's how to organize some of the details associated with supporting a canine. And here's how to support a drone team. And here, you know, sort of all of the processes involved in search and rescue that we deal with. Um, And then uh, if you don't have any medical education after that, we then go through our medical standard, which is uh, an EMR is our minimum, which is kind of an EMT light. And then um, then you're ready. And it's only, you know, like (laughs) 14 months down the road. Nice. So uh, you mentioned, you know, this is a a volunteer role. This is something that after you moved here, your wife and I were looking at, hey, why not try this? Uh, Can you tell me what drew you to this specifically? I mean, you said you were outdoorsy, but... There's probably got to be a little bit more that goes into it than that. You know, surprisingly for my case, no. Um, (laughs) But really, it is uh, kind of a great way to give back to the community. I mean, again, search and rescue is 100% volunteer and 100% free in the state of Colorado. And that's pretty an important detail that we can loop back to at a different point. But um, the the volunteer aspect and helping people is good. And it's it's a culmination or a combination is probably a better term for what it is of all the outdoor skills that I've been part of. So in my background, I used to be a collegiate skier and I was a ski coach for years and I've done a bunch of mountaineering and done a bunch of climbing and sort of hiking. And you put all those together and that's kind of search and rescue 101. Uh, Very good. Now I talking about the uh, search and rescue team specifically, um, you're called El Paso County search and rescue, which I think people might mean, Oh yeah, they're a part of a County. Uh, But from what I understand, you're not necessarily directly linked to the County. Uh, Can you talk about how uh, you guys operate on kind of on that broad level uh, working between maybe some other County agencies and then doing the work that you guys do? Sure. So we are, and we aren't part of the County is exactly correct. Um, (laughs) We are a 501 C three nonprofit Uh, We are staffed exclusively by volunteers, and we run our own business as our own company, and it just happens to be a nonprofit company. Um, But all of our authority is derived from the sheriff's office, and we have a memorandum of understanding with the sheriff 
where they delegate their state legislated authority and mandate to manage all search and rescue in their county. And so, in essence, El Paso County Sheriff's Office said, well, we don't want to have deputies go out and do high-angle rescues. We'd rather have somebody else do that. Here, Here's the authority to go do that and operate under our... Um, there's a word I'm looking for there, and it's missing. But here, here's the authority to go out and do that on our behalf. And your benefits from that include the Sheriff's Office livery on our vehicles and our ability to use uh, you know, Code 3 driving and... We, we have a lot of resource that we can use from the sheriff's office, including uh, their deputies and a lot of their HR stuff. And they're, they're a spectacular supporting agency to us in many ways, the same way we support them. So do you exclusively work in El Paso County or do you sometimes go outside the county? How does that look? No. So we are primarily responsible or our area of primary responsibility is El Paso County. Um, basically, we like to say anything 10 feet past a road um, that is not inside of the city of Colorado Springs is our responsibility, which is pretty accurate. Um, th- there's some crossovers there, and we'll work in the city if the fire department needs us and vice versa. Um, but we also have memorandums of understanding uh, and mutual aid agreements with basically every other search and rescue team in Colorado and some outside of through our certification agency, which is the Mountain Rescue Association. So the MRA uh, also gives our team uh, a level of legitimacy that provides uh, some comfort for people who would request search and rescue resources outside of Colorado or in other counties in Colorado. So we typically see multiple out-of-county requests for assistance a year. So you mentioned before how it's not just the humans that work this, it's also animals. You have dogs on your team as well. Uh, can you talk about what that's like working with uh, animals, with the dogs on the team, and uh, how that might make things uh, easier or more difficult in some circumstances. Yeah, correct. So we are one of the larger canine search and rescue teams in Colorado. Um, We've got, I think, 10 search and rescue dogs on the team right now. I happen to have one myself Um, because, again, it's all volunteer. They are our pets. You know, it's not like an issued dog that you then have to get rid of like uh, in the police world. Um, so there, there are pets, we do their vet bills and we manage all that ourselves, but we also spend an inordinate amount of time training them. Uh, and we go out with our dogs frequently to go support, um, missing person cases, or, uh, in some cases we can do cadaver work with the dog. We can work with, um, evidence searches depending on what the, the call is for. So, uh, just recently the team here took part in the defender service awards uh, this is a national competition where you guys placed second amongst those who entered. Uh, can you talk to me about that competition, uh, what it was, and what that recognition means for the team here? Yeah, absolutely. So primarily, the Defender Service Awards were put together by Land Rover as a way to um, give vehicles that were capable to groups that needed them is probably the best way to look at that. Um, the first year of the contest was 2021. Um Through Land Rover of Colorado Springs, we put together a video to submit to the competition because it's driven by video submission and the the sort of nature of that video. We put together a video through them, and uh, sort of that was the end of that. Um, In 2022, Land Rover of Colorado Springs resubmitted that video, and we made it into the finalist category, which at the top five for the search and rescue group, um, all of the five finalists received $5,000 from Chase Bank. Um, who was one of the sponsors. And then we made it to the top two, and that was done through popular vote. Um, We were really fortunate that El Paso County and Colorado and hopefully the Mountain Rescue Association got behind us pretty aggressively 
and we garnered a huge number of votes. Unfortunately, we couldn't win against all of Canada because it was the only team in Canada <laughs> that was put up for the award. So we, we did run into uh, coming in second instead of first for the video. But that being said, um, Land Rover generously donated an additional $10,000 for being in the second. Wow. Uh, and I, I believe that also came from the sponsor, both Chase and Pelican. So we, we were pretty happy about that. So the $15,000 that we won is going to go into our operational budget and probably facilitate some more of our vehicle-oriented stuff. Yeah, and, and what does that recognition mean for the team? I mean, again, this is a group of volunteers that come out and do really diff- – this is not an easy volunteer job, I don't imagine. Uh, so, you know, you're spending a lot of time, but you're training dogs, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of time that goes, in, uh, goes into that. What does something like this mean for people who are taking time out of their normal lives – their everyday lives, to get uh, recognized on that kind of scale. Yeah, I mean, it it is validating and it's nice, but primarily I think search and rescue folks don't do this and don't spend the amount of money we all spend to buy gear and manage our own equipment. And we always joke, it's the most expensive hobby you could possibly have. (laughs) Uh, And that's not necessarily wrong. But as far as the benefit to the team, yes, the money is beneficial to us and that's great. But the awareness that it brings to search and rescue for the people who might call us is much better. And realistically, that's the biggest thing that comes out of this is that there's a a common misconception that search and rescue is a very expensive process, right? I fall and break my ankle in the wilderness and it's going to cost me $50,000 to get home. And I can buy an insurance card through the state of Colorado and I'll get (laughs) rescued. This is all wrong. Um, Every detail is incorrect. If you fall and break your ankle in the wilderness and you somehow get a message to search and rescue, Um, It is 100% free. It is covered by um, our volunteerisms. Uh, We we do not charge for that service whatsoever. Um, If you have like a Corsair card or a hunting license or one of those things that donates to the SAR fund and we know about it, we can ask for reimbursement for expenses related to your rescue, but that's not a, a primary drive. You know, it's not part of the finance. It is truly a free service. Um, And so bringing awareness to that and hopefully some people doing some research out of the amount of votes that went into this and the amount of people that watched the videos and the amount of people that um, sort of researched us on our website and things like that, getting that process and awareness out there so that our service is used by people that need it is really important. So I I think a number of people, and me included in this, uh, find search and rescue operations fascinating by their very nature. Uh, You guys are out there any time of day, any weather conditions, you're out there uh, helping people. Uh, and can, so can you share a couple of stories of your time here uh, with Search and Rescue and just what that looks like for you? Yeah, I, I think Search and Rescue has really highlighted the versatility of El Paso County's weather um, really <laughs> nicely. Um, one of the early ones that jumps to mind when somebody says, you know, tell me something that you've done in Search and Rescue that's wild and different is uh, the bomb cyclone. So we own two Tucker snowcats and we are basically the only emergency response agency in town that has snowcats that operate in sort of our space. And so we get called to go drive snowcats around and rescue stranded drivers. And in the space of 48 hours, we had 237 calls. And I spent basically 20 hours in the front seat of a snowcat driving around on normal roads and driving over the hoods of cars. And I I didn't actually (laughs) drive over the hood of a car, but it sort of felt like it. Um, You know, that was really kind of wild and different and strange, not what I expected. Um, 
But then you have the traditional missions too. We had one that was in the media uh, last winter where a gentleman was climbing Pikes Peak and his service disappeared or he disappeared from communication and his last claim was pretty concerning to his family. So they called us um, and it had just snowed eight inches and was four degrees and 60 mile an hour winds. And so air assets aren't really viable. And we climb down Pikes Peak and grab him and walk out. And, you know, it's it, it's exactly what you imagine. You make that sound a lot more simple than it probably was. I, I, yeah, I mean, there is some actual mixed alpine terrain in Pikes Peak in the winter. And you do actually have to, you know, put crampons on and all that. But there's, you know, no Iger-sanctioned climbing in the middle either. So <laughs> it, it, it wasn't that extreme of a situation. But they, they certainly can go down that path. Um, and it is definitely a great way to be able to give back. You mentioned the incident with the bomb cyclone. I'm sure there was a coordination with other agencies. I mean, for those who may not know, I'm the public information officer for the Department of Public Works for the county. And so, you know, they're obviously out there with their plows, you know, trying to help get people out as well. Uh, how does that coordination for an event like that work between you guys and other agencies that might be involved in trying to do the same kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So at the time, it was the EOC, the emergency office, uh, but now it's the ECC, the Emergency Coordination Center, because name changes are important. Yeah. Um, the ECC uh, coordinates that through the traditional uh, mutual aid model, and I'm trying to remember the exact title of that model. It's part of the NIMS program. Um, but basically, they ask us to be a resource on their behalf, and we send an officer over to them, and we communicate um, what their requests and requirements are and what our capabilities are, and we go execute tasks. I mean, it's in some regards very straightforward because this is a pretty functional county, and there's a lot of good communication between agencies, and there's a lot of good relationships between agencies. So the, the, the flow is surprisingly seamless. Great. And so if there's somebody who wants to get involved, wants to volunteer, what are the different volunteer opportunities like for search and rescue and how would they go about doing that? So continuing down the path of search and rescue is weird and unique. There is one volunteer opportunity oh. and that volunteer opportunity is to become a member. Uh, and becoming a member of our team is uh, not the most simplistic process in that we don't specialize until long after you're on the team. So all of our members and th those are our volunteers, all of our members must be able to achieve any of our basic functions. And those basic functions are um, all the way up to high angle rescue. So you have to go through that full training process and the full medical process. And that's our standard for all of our members. And that sort of stems from our response profile in that we are always on duty. And with 60 of us, not all of us can always respond. And so because we can't always respond, we need a member who is capable of doing everything. And so we don't have a fundraising only or an IT or, you know, we have members who are spectacular technical rescue folks who also do IT. Right. <laughs> and we have, you know, members who are really good canine handlers who also sit on the board and clean toilets. Like, you, you know, right. we run this as uh, sort of a base level volunteer. Great. And then is there anything else you want to add about the search and rescue team and its importance and uh, why you think uh, visibility for it is, is something that should be shared? Absolutely. I think the number one thing that search and rescue is and should be thought of as is a free community resource. Um, if you are getting yourself in wilderness trouble of any kind, it is absolutely critical that you start search and rescue early. And that gives us the ability to mitigate larger situations that will show up from delay. 
And that's definitely one of the biggest things that we like to put out there. The other one, of course, is that we are actually a, a nonprofit. So we do all of our own fundraising. Um, most of our fundraising is done through grants and donations. And so we, uh, we as members are not earning anything from this other than the satisfaction of saying, cool, that was fun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so if there is someone who uh, needs to contact you guys, what, what are the best ways to get in touch with you? Search and rescue is really cool. Dial 911. Ah. Uh, and then <laughs> if you are something that is in our jurisdiction or that requires our use, uh, we will absolutely get dispatched to you. Um, we actually have uh, one on-duty coordinator who is legitimately on duty all the time. And uh, we rotate through that position. We respond to dispatch. Um, we're paged by them when there is a call that's appropriate. So we're, we're on the, the dispatch plane there. Great. Well, thank you, Jay. I appreciate you taking the time today. This was very informative. And uh, again, I think search and rescue is one of those things that people uh, just kind of think is really fascinating by its very nature. Uh, so thank you for uh, sharing some insight for everyone today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. If you're interested in listening to additional episodes of Beyond the Dais, you can search for us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.